right, hello church family. It's great to be able to share the word with you this morning. I just want to say that I miss you all. I hope you're doing well. And just like Chris said, uh, we want to connect with you. We want to know if you have needs or anything like that. So so please, uh, please let us know if you have anything like that. And please be taking the time uh, this week to connect with one another. We need this uh, more than ever right now. So just want to give you that encouragement. So I'm sharing a message uh, that's kind of not related to uh, the other two series. Uh, we're in between series right now, and so um, uh, this is just kind of a standalone, but I I think it's going to be timely. I hope it is. Um, a few weeks ago, we were having this elders meeting, and uh, someone briefly shared this this thought, this comment that they had heard, and they said, I can't wait to see what the seven fat cows will look like. Of course, they were alluding to this uh this story um am i am i live here yeah okay okay i was just (laughs) looking at the wrong screen (laughs) they were alluding to this story here in uh in genesis chapter 41 with joseph where pharaoh has this dream and the seven fat cows are this this good time and so they were reminiscing on i can't wait to see what good comes out of this and you know i haven't been able to get this thought out of my head ever since I heard that. I've been just continually reflecting on this story because I think it has something powerful uh, to say to all of us. And so um, we are, we're, we're living in this, this awkward time right now, and um, I think it, it gives us an opportunity to, to reflect as well. And the, the question that I want us all to reflect on this morning is... Um, how do we respond to seasons of harvest and famine? Because that's exactly what Joseph and all of Egypt are about to experience in this story. How do we respond to seasons of harvest and famine? Now, I, I love the story of Joseph. It's really one of my favorites in, in, in all of Scripture because it's full of exciting narrative and uh, tons of just really good lessons. It's been very impactful to me in my life. And Joseph's already been uh, through a lot up to this point in the story. So if you're not familiar with the story of Joseph, let me just draw out a few points that have already happened in his life. So Joseph is one of 12 sons of Jacob. Um, He's favored by his father and um, all his other brothers who are older than him. Most of them are older than him. Um, they get really jealous of him over the years, and eventually they do something drastic. They, they sell him into slavery, and then they go home, they tell their, their father that he was killed. Um, and so uh, jo- Joseph is sold into slavery into the, the land of Egypt. Um, and so things aren't going well for Joseph. But he, he lands in this house of a man called Potiphar, who's a pretty high-ranking uh, officer uh, for Pharaoh. And Joseph becomes successful. He is uh, put in charge of all of Potiphar's household, and he's doing pretty well until he's falsely accused by Potiphar's wife and thrown in prison. So from really good, once again, to really bad. And yet again in prison, he finds success. He kind of rises through the ranks of the prisoners and, and is given some responsibility, and then eventually uh, he meets these two people who are thrown in prison. One's a baker and one's a cupbearer. Both of them worked in Pharaoh's court. And 
after a little bit of time, he's able to hear some dreams, and through the power of God, he's able to interpret their dreams for them, which come true. And Joseph tells um, uh, the the cupbearer to remember him. Uh, unfortunately, he doesn't. So Joseph ends up living in prison for another two years until Pharaoh himself has a dream. And no one can interpret this dream, as, as we heard Michael read. And then the cupbearer all of a sudden remembers Joseph and tells Pharaoh about this uh, young man who was able to interpret his dream. And so Pharaoh summons him. And Joseph comes before Pharaoh, you know, the most powerful man probably in the known world right now. And he's standing before him and Pharaoh asks if he can interpret the dream. And I, I love Joseph's response because he, he says that only God can, but that God will give him this answer. And so even after all he's been through, Joseph gives God the credit. And so Joseph goes ahead and again, through the power of God, interprets Pharaoh's dreams. And as we heard, in uh, Pharaoh has these two dreams and they're pretty much the same dream, just different details. So in the first dream, there's the seven cows that are fat and healthy. Then there's seven skinny cows that come up and devour them. And then there's, in the second dream, the seven stalks of corn that are healthy. Seven skinny, withered stalks come and devour them. And so uh, Joseph tells Pharaoh that um, God is telling Pharaoh what's about to happen. And God uh, is going to be protecting his people through Egypt, a powerful nation, and uh, he tells him that basically the, the fat cows and the, the healthy stock represent seven good years of harvest. And then the seven skinny cows and withered stocks represent seven bad years, of terrible famine that's going to come and just overwhelm the whole land. And so after Joseph gives Pharaoh this interpretation, he also gives him some suggestions. And Pharaoh is so impressed that he takes this young outsider who was just in prison and he elevates him to the second in command of all of Egypt. God once again is faithful to Joseph and is using Joseph to enact his plan. And so God through Joseph is able to lead Egypt through this time of both harvest and famine. And this is an image of God that we see all over scripture. He's constantly leading people through times of abundance and time of famine, of suffering, both literal and metaphorical. So I believe, uh, you might be wondering, you know, why are we talking about this? Uh, I believe that we're facing kind of a similar experience. It's not the same, but I think there's some relevance here and we can glean some things from, these, from this story. Uh, this is a message of both hope and caution for us. And um, even though we're not living in a time of literal famine, we're living in a time that the world hasn't really seen for generations. And so this, this time calls for careful reflection of the work of God and his people. It calls us to be attentive to uh, how we can respond as we live as followers of Jesus. So this is, this is why this story has really been on my heart for the past couple weeks or so. Um, and before we, before we move forward, I, I do want to say, um, I want to I be careful about um, 
how I talk about this situation we're in and how I make connections between Joseph's story and, and our story right now, especially regarding timeline and the, the seri- seriousness of this virus. You know, Joseph was given some clear instructions from God, seven years of good and seven years of famine. We don't know what our timeline looks like, uh, but we, we can decide, we can choose how we're going to respond during this crisis. And I think Joseph um, has some good things to teach us, to some wisdom to give us in how we respond. So I want to be clear here. Um, whatever your thoughts are concerning uh, the COVID-19 situation, at the very least, I think we can all agree that this has majorly impacted everyone's life. And we need to be mindful about how we proceed as Christians. How we live through this time um, is important because the world is watching us and we represent Christ, just like they were watching Joseph and Joseph represented his God. So your thoughts and feelings, my thoughts and feelings regarding this crisis, they don't give us the excuse to neglect our own spiritual growth or become stagnant and just kind of sit back. Um, It doesn't give us the excuse to uh, treat people poorly or judge their intentions. It doesn't give us the excuse to slack on our call to be the light and the love of Christ in and around our community. So we still have work to do, and um, I think we can see that in Joseph. So today I want to take a moment to reflect on this story and consider what it can teach us about how we can live in times of harvest and famine. So, what does Joseph do when he's elevated from this uh, young, you know, outsider Hebrew Hebrew prisoner to second in command of the most powerful nation in the world at that time? Uh, Egypt is on the the precipice of this famine. They know that it's coming soon. So, what does he do? He goes to work. He gets some things done. And there are some good things that we can see. I want to draw out three points as we continue on um, reading through the story of Joseph through the the coming chapters. So the first thing that he does is he takes advantage of the good season, the good seasons, those seven years that start off with good, plentiful harvest. Those good seasons we experience um, they lead to wonderful harvests. So he doesn't waste their their resources in times of plenty. You know, you would think that if they had seven good years, they could, you know, relax a little bit. You know, the, the paychecks are coming in, the grain's coming in, things are good, we can relax. But no, he's frugal and he plans well. He uses their resources wisely because they know that a time is coming when they're not going to be able to do so. And he he leads them in this uh, storing up of their, their food. They, they, they hold back one-fifth of all of their production, basically. And God blesses them so much in this time that they stop keeping track of how much they were storing. They were, they were kind of keeping diligent numbers for a while, but it's coming in so much that they, they can't even keep track of it anymore. You know... I think we, as a church, as a body here in Newburgh, have experienced some times of great blessing over the last several years uh, since uh, since I can remember. Um, 
I think about the ministry that, that Sean and Nancy have done and, and will continue to do in, in different ways, um, and the ministry of so many others. I think about the growing that our congregation has done. In fact, kind of similarly, you know, we've been growing in, in so much recently that it's hard for us as a leadership to keep track of all of that. And that's just proof, I think, of God's blessing that God is working in and around us. It's interesting that right before the famine begins, so at the end of this time of good harvest, uh, Jacob has these two sons. Um, The first one is Manasseh, and his name means makes me to forget. Basically, he's saying that God has erased his checkered past, um, all the highs and all the lows that he's experienced because of the blessing that he's receiving now. The other son is Ephraim, and that means fruitfulness. God has made Joseph fruitful. So we can see Joseph's attitude really um, not necessarily change because I think he's always had a pretty good attitude, but he's really seeing more and more the goodness that God has given to him during this time of, of good harvest. And so I think when we are in those times, and maybe we aren't necessarily as much right now, but when we are in those times, we need to acknowledge what God is doing. That's the first thing. The second thing that I think we can see is that he is diligent and faithful during the famine. Those those tough seasons that, that we experience, they remind us of, of the good harvest and they challenge us to be faithful. And that's exactly what Joseph uh, does. He is, he's faithful. So think about the self-control that it took for Joseph and for the, for the people uh, uh, of Egypt to overcome and persevere through this time. Um, think about the trust that it took in Joseph and in God for their nation to avoid total chaos. I mean, um, they had seven good years, but Joseph said, or that God was saying that the the famine would be so horrible that they would forget those seven years. But because of Joseph's self-control and his faithfulness, they're prepared and they're they're ready. Um, I kind of think that we're in a similar situation. We're entering, or maybe we already are, in a time of famine of sorts. Our famine looks different, though. Um, in some ways, we're experiencing a famine from physical contact. And we need that as humans. You know, we need that physical contact, that um, that closeness. We're in a famine from close relationships. I mean, we're able to connect and communicate on some level, but it's not the same as face-to-face. You know, doing this right now, it's not the same as seeing you all in the pews and being able to talk with you afterwards. Um, and in some ways, we're kind of in a, a spiritual famine. This is um, an opportunity, I believe, that the evil one can and will use to make us become a little stagnant if we're not careful because we're not being fed in the same ways that we're comfortable with, in the same ways that we're used to. So things are different right now, and I believe we need to adapt now more than ever is a time where we have to trust in God, that he will provide and guide us. Um, now's a time where we have to give extra care to how we interact with people, especially online. You know, that's kind of always been a problem in the last decade, but 
now we're stuck at home and so we have to be online more. And so we need to be more careful about how we interact with people, um, especially online. And when you go to the grocery store, you know, it's already a stressful situation. How are you um, connecting with people? How are you interacting with them? Because we need to consider the example that we're setting as Christians to the community. Um, How you live right now is a testimony to others about who Jesus is as we represent Jesus Christ. How you live, how you interact with others, whether it's online or at the grocery store or in your own families, is a testimony to who Jesus Christ is. And we need to take that seriously. So the third thing that I believe we can see um, from Joseph through this story, how he responds to this time of famine and harvest, is that his faithfulness leads to generosity and service to others. So Egypt is in such a good position during this famine because they have prepared and they, they have this abundance that they're able to share their wealth with others. They were so rich that um, they could share this abundance with those who are suffering. And it says that people came from all over the world to come and get grain or whatever from Egypt. And we know later Jacob's own family comes to get grain from them. And that continues his story. And, you know, to me, this sounds familiar. As Christians, in a lot of ways, we have more than we need. Maybe not always in earthly possessions, but through Christ, we have more than we need. So how can we share that with those who are suffering? How can we be faithful during our time of famine, whatever that looks like for you, so that we can share the goodness of God and God's kingdom to those who are suffering? And I I really do believe that even though this is a different time, the opportunities are, are all around us if we're willing to see them and if we're willing to act on them. Maybe you have a little bit of extra money right now. Maybe you didn't need that stimulus check. Uh, that's, you know, that's someone's rent right there. And maybe you could help someone out through that. Um, maybe you know that someone is lonely. Give them a call. Send them a letter. You know, make it a point to reach out to them. Maybe you know that someone is um, uh, maybe just struggling spiritually right now with all of this or with something else. Reach out to them again and and comfort them, encourage them. Joseph, you know, he led Egypt to such a great position that in a time of famine, they were able to help people all over the world. And so um, maybe this time is tough for you. I'm, I know it is for a lot of people, but... In some ways, we've been given more than we need. How can we share that abundance with others? So, church, I I believe um, that this time, it's not a time to kind of sit back and wait. I, I believe that this time is a time for the church to go to work. How can we be faithful in this time of famine? How How can we look for opportunities to start planting seeds now? Um, that we can harvest later? How can we prepare for that coming harvest? And um, when we're back together again, how can we be um, uh, looking for and seeing the results of what God is already doing right now? 
Um, so it's it's time for us as the body of Christ to, to shine our lights. Whether we believe we're in a time of preparation or testing or family or sorry famine, it, it doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't really matter because our job is to be ambassadors for Christ through seasons of harvest and abundance and through seasons of famine and, and suffering. Because God is at work during this time. We can't always see it, but, but he is. He, he might be working from home, <laughs> like some of us, uh, but he's not on vacation. He's not on furlough. God is at work right now. And, and I believe God is urging us to prepare for a time of harvest. Um, even though right now it's hard to imagine all the good things that might come from this, uh, God is at work to, to produce those, those good things, those wonderful opportunities. And we just we need to have our eyes open and ready to act, just like Joseph was. So can we be the people of God who are willing to follow God in his direction and work to bring that harvest? You know, this, this isn't a time for us to point fingers or complain. Um, it's not a time to kind of sit back and twiddle our thumbs until things turn back, return back to normal, whatever that looked like. It's a time to get creative like Joseph did, to be faithful to God and help others and think outside the box so that we can be a light to our community around us. So Joseph uh, stored up grain in a time of plenty and uh, he was preparing for this severe need. And today I encourage you to store up something a little bit different. So let me end uh, our time this morning or our, our, our message this morning with, uh, with this passage. This is from Matthew six nineteen through 21, and I think it relates really well to what we're seeing in this story of Joseph. So this says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in, and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So let's go to work for the kingdom of God, storing up treasures in heaven. And I believe that the best treasures we could store up are people. When we invest in people for the kingdom of heaven, our treasure grows. So something to think about. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. Thank you, church. I'm going to pass things over to Chris now. Kyle and I will do the uh, social distancing go-see-do there. Uh, I want to thank Kyle because I think that his message is is profound. Um, I think it speaks to the moment that we're in, uh, and it actually leads really well into what we're going to do here. Um, we're going to move into our time of communion uh, remembering the, the body and blood of Christ. And I want to read to you a scripture here, uh, from Matthew chapter, uh, chapter 26. I was about to say chapter five. I've been in, uh, the Sermon on the Mount a little, uh, lately. And so, uh, from Matthew chapter 26, we read this. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take eat. This is my body. And he took a cup. And he had, when he had given thanks, 
he set, offered it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. As Christians, we've, we've participated in uh, the cup and the bread uh, for, uh, for as long as we can document Christian history, uh, all the way back to this moment in Scripture. Uh, for many of us, this is something that has, has happened over decades. It's something that is a staple of our life, a thing that we remember constantly. And uh, we, as God's people, never act out of a, an empty moment. Now, we're facing famine, as Kyle said. Our world is facing a famine of sorts, and we experience some of that. But no matter where we go, no matter uh, what may happen to us, we have the abundance of the body and blood of Christ. And in this moment, we've built up the storehouse. We, we have something that people desperately need something that people are lacking, something that people are starving for. And, and in that story, Joseph's own family comes to Egypt to seek out what it is that they need. And when they arrive in Egypt, they find exactly what they're looking for, the, the storehouse that has been prepared. And in many ways, Joseph has prepared the way for his family to survive, to be rescued from the affliction of the famine. We have the storehouse we have the treasure, we have the grain, we have literally what Jesus calls the bread of life. And so today, as we remember the body and blood, I want to encourage us to remember that this is our abundance. This is where we have put our trust, where we have put our hope, and, and the greatest gift that we have to share with humanity is the body of Christ, his death, his resurrection, and the life that he offers. So let's go ahead and we will pray for both, and then I'll invite you uh, to take the bread and then to take the cup. And Kyle and I will do the same in here. Uh, so let's pray. Our Father in heaven, this, this bread, it is your body and it is the abundance that we need. It is the thing that fills us with purpose. It is the thing that fills us with hope. It is, it is the thing that gives us life itself, that without it, uh, we were dead. We had no hope. We had no future apart from this. And Father, for this cup, which is the blood of your Son, it is, it is the blood that washes us, it is the blood that we needed the transfusion of, the, the blood that uh, flows through our veins when we take, take on the life of Christ. And apart from it, we were empty, and apart from it, we were, we were starved and, and thirsty. And you have been faithful to fill us and to give us far more than we could ever need for ourselves. And you ask in return that we share it with others. And so as we take this bread and we take this cup, we remember that, that commitment that we have made to you. We remember the abundance and we commit to sharing that abundance with others. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to bring up the slide so you don't have to watch me undignifiedly take the cup and take the bread.